Welcome to Self-Published Success, a show catered specifically to the innovators and entrepreneurs who sought creative control over their titles, chose self-publishing over traditional, and found overwhelming success in the process. In this show, we will introduce these risk takers and ask them a variety of questions. Why did you choose self-publishing? What were your results? And most importantly, what are some secrets to success? Self-published success is designed to get your creative juices flowing, to get you energized and excited for the road to authorship ahead. So sit back, grab your trusted pen and notepad, and get ready to gain tips that will help you along your own self-publishing journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Self-Published Success, a show that highlights forward-thinking authors who chose self-publishing over traditional and found success in doing so. My name is John Feldman, founder of Visionary Literary and your host for today's show. Our guest today is Don Schminka. Don is an award-winning speaker, researcher, founder of Saga Leadership Institute, and he has delivered over 1,700 speeches. He is a five-time author and has been featured in Wall Street Journal and USA Today, and he has just released a new book, Unleash Your Potential, How Artificial Intelligence Wants to Upgrade You, which is something I am truly excited to talk about. Don, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yes, we very much appreciate having you and diving into AI. But first, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about about you, your background, and what got you into your business. I was, um, let's see, when I almost dropped out of high school, I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of forced to finish all that up. And I ended up I, realizing that, you know, I should get an education. So I went to a, a community college and um, some things happened. There were a couple of people there that were retired. And um, uh, one was a physicist graduate from MIT and um, somebody else that was affiliated. And they thought I should do something. So I, uh, with that, I don't know what MIT was. I thought it was a trade school or something. And uh, so I applied to put me through a battery of tests, more tests and more tests. Anyway, I got in and uh, things uh, went crazy. I started getting involved with some of the early stages of artificial intelligence because we all had to learn, learn that as part of a, you know, the curriculum we were in. And then, um, and then planetary physics, uh, started getting into biomedical engineering where I first got published and um, like that. So things took off. I ended up at Hopkins studying humans and had a group uh, that attached me to the MBA, executive MBA program. And I did my research there. And uh, as I was teaching, I noticed a lot of executives were having issues with uh, the success rates of management theory. So that took me into an anthropological journey and I started publishing around that. So my first book came out from that journey. Now, so it, I know it sounds like a circuitous uh, nonlinear path, but you know I have ADHD, so that probably explains a lot. Um, but it allowed me to connect things together that normally wouldn't connect. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking in, you know, engineering and the various sciences and the, and, and so it, that's how it worked. I ended up publishing this thing because Oxford gave me permission to use this ancient manuscript that they had. So I got copyright permission to, um, re-release it. And it was really based on a management training program written 700 years ago. So I wanted to do more than a scientific understanding of the failure rates management theory. I also wanted to uh, validate it with thousands of years of proof. <laughs> and both of those things came together. And this book um, 
was just one way to look at today. When I do a speech to a bunch of CEOs, I end up saying, you know, all the issues you have aren't new. And I pull up this ancient manuscript and I say, look, look what they were complaining about. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so that's how it happened. It was my first book. And then um, I started, I was privileged to run into some brilliant people and, um, like Chris Warner, we did a book called High Altitude Leadership with the NBC Project on K2 because I was climbing with him in the Andes. Um, I do these expeditions to try to film and learn about different um, humans around the world. And um, and then, you know, th then I ended up uh, continuing to publish. I wish I had published more, but I was so busy with working with companies and speaking that I didn't get around to that. But that's how I got here. It was just... Um, I don't know, some about high school dropout uh, gets lucky and. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I wouldn't really say lucky. You started with the high school dropout and then you went into probably the most esteemed bio opening that, that we might've had on the show and that I might've ever heard, but th there are so many um, valuable, venerable names in there. So an incredible path, like you said, nonlinear, but still very incredible. And it all led to, your first book, which was published by a uh, Penguin imprint. So mm -hmm. congratulations. That is something that that is um, something to to celebrate. Oh, thank it's you. an accolade for sure. Uh, we are, you know, self-published success, but Penguin is, uh, they're still, when we say venerable, Penguin is venerable as well. So yeah. Yeah. you, and all that you've done, right? You didn't have a lot of time to to write more books which you would have but you were speaking on stages it, i don't know it seemed like from 1700 that we have in the bio i'm sure it's risen since then or oh. we still yeah oh no it's it has i've, I've probably done about geez i don't know over 2000 yeah. uh, published <laughs> so that that's absolutely incredible so you're still sharing like we yeah. the listeners in this show we're, we're aspiring authors and authors, but we're also readers. And especially for me, I can say personally, nonfiction books, reading and learning is the exciting part. So you're still going and speaking and people are learning from your speeches. So you're still doing your part to, to help. When it comes to you and your business, you speaking and writing, you see the value in it. Mm-hmm. And you work with CEOs as well. So when it comes to authorship or speaking, right, just sharing your knowledge, how important is that to growing your your business or your brand? You mean in terms of um, well, I, th I think it, I think it's a, it helps a lot because um, it depends on what business you're in, but. If you have a uh, if you have some publication, it it validates that you've spent some time, right? You know, doing your own research, doing your own thinking about it, and um, and taking the time to put it into to to the press. Um, I mean, it's one thing to have an opinion because everybody has an opinion, right. uh, but it's another thing to spend the grueling uh, journey as an author. <laughs> to get it together in a form that can be released. So I think it adds something to the, um, to, to the gravity you're bringing to the conversation if you have a book out there. And it depends on which industry you're in. 
with fiction, obviously, you know, the book is, is, is the product and that's you. And I wish I could write fiction. So I envy all of you who can write fiction because I'm an idiot when I come to that. <laughs> but, uh, but nonfiction uh, can be applied more into, um, you know, the business that you're, or the career uh, that you're uh, into. And I know, because I find a lot of people that are in careers and they're brilliant, but nobody knows of their thoughts, you know, only in their immediate area. So they could take, um, you know, someone like you or the service you provide is sort of, and I'm I'm sorry, I don't mean to do a promotional thing here, but (laughs) but it's, it's, it's a difficult journey. And if somebody sat there, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're a scientist sitting in a lab somewhere or... They're a salesperson who discovered some really cool ways of doing something in their particular industry. Um, if they had a, a support uh, um, like what you offer to put it into words, I think that helps not only sometimes get clear in their own minds so they can be more effective just from the writing of the book, yeah. but actually share it with others that could benefit from it. So there is a lot of options and, and I think um, reasons or benefits to doing something like that and who knows i mean things could take off and you have a whole nother career speaking and doing training or something right and most of us also when it comes to the credibility issue so getting on stages sometimes if you have that book it's easy but many of us don't have uh mit in our byline (laughs) that is a credibility enhancer in itself so you personally might not need the book but and anyone else who has attended MIT might not need a book to establish themselves as an authority. But for the rest of us who have not attended MIT, um, then then we might need to to have that book. So your first book was published through again through Penguin. Big accomplishment there. You published a few books in between your first book and then the one that came out last year, which was self published. Yeah. When it comes to the, the process that you've seen in the publishing industry and writing industry like we'll we'll get heavy into what into AI and what you've learned in your recent book and the experiment but when it comes to that timeline between your first book and your last one what have you seen change inside the publishing industry like when it comes to the process well, I think um it's been an emergence because back when I was publishing, because um, after Penguin and we did High Altitude Leadership with the climber Chris Warner, that was with Josie Bass. I had been through the normal uh, system of, um, you know, finding an agent. That's really the hardest part because, yeah. you know, these major uh, publishing houses get hit with thousands of uh, requests per minute. And yeah, so, yeah, pretty much. Uh, their filters as agents and, and getting an agent that wants to spend the time with you, they have to, you basically have to sell them yeah. to sell you because they're also getting hit by a lot. But I was fortunate. Um, I had, I had a, my first agent was willing to work with me a lot. And then uh, my second agent was one of the top uh, few uh, in the country. And, and I was referred uh, to her by an already established uh, business management publisher and one of the, one of the top leadership authors. And uh, then uh, that that took me through the process a couple of times now, because now I had two books from two major houses, but it was a long time. I mean, it's, um, you know, they have their own schedule, their own calendar, their own, you know, like this uh, latest book I published, I I did look, well, should I do that formally or not? 
But you're looking at a year and a half, two years, and like artificial intelligence isn't waiting. Uh, yep. two, 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 two. Yep. <laughs> it changes weekly. Yep. So I thought, and I had some friends that had done some uh, self-publishing before, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at that. So, I, but but it was it had changed because initially it was like you either had a major publisher or something called the Vanity Press. Which meant if you're if your aunt and uncle gave you a check that you can get a book published and they'll yeah. just publish whatever you write yeah. and uh, and that was fine for certain niches if you wanted to have your own memoir or, or you know a picture book on the coffee table or whatever um, but it, I, th I think what happened next was people were getting more serious about having an alternative yeah. and a lot were former um, publisher i mean for, they were involved in the major houses and they decided to break off and they thought you know what we can do this faster maybe we can do this better maybe we can you know like that yeah and um because with the publishing houses unless you're unless you're getting like a you know five million dollar advance yeah. they're not going to be spending a lot of time promoting you yeah <laughs> i mean it's like you know they will issue a press release yeah which result in basically nothing uh so <laughs> they're <laughs> they're counting on you to uh do your own promotion you know so yeah. essentially they become sort of a sophisticated printing house you know copy machine that's a good way to put it yeah and uh, and, uh and it's great because look i mean the the advantages are if you can get through to, through an agent and get through a major house it basically says you're out of the noise. You know what I mean? So it's not yeah. like anybody with a PDF can have a book out today. You know? right. So uh, it puts you in a place like, hey, you've been vetted. You've, uh, you're now an author from the traditional uh, realm. But uh, I did find it was, uh, it does take time. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs or people that, um, really want to have more control uh, and have uh, and, and just have the speed to release of the publication. The uh, these other alternatives like the hybrid and, and self-publishing houses are are a better option to look at, especially if you're in a niche. I mean, if you think about, well, I really want to write about this, this, this plumbing tool technology that I think is going to revolutionize plumbing. OK, great. There's no publisher that wants to sell a thousand books. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they want to sell a million. Right. So those thousand plumbers that are going to be interested, you're never going to get it out there. But with um, you know, with a, a, a hybrid approach, you can get it out there and you can have your niche and you can and who knows, it may grow from there. Yeah. Um, so there's things about speed and volume, I think, that come into play with the thing. Now some people that are like, well, I, I have um I have a degree in literature. I want to be formalized and I want to uh, be accredited then yeah take the publishing the, the formal publishing route yeah. and then to get a few books you may decide you know I, I know how to do this now I want to you know I want something faster and uh, I want to have more control over if they're not going to help me with the PR who can help me with the PR who can help me market and 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 partner with me so that may be another option so I'm kind of you know there's benefits to both and it depends on and I've, I've used both for those reasons yeah are you enjoying today's episode and hearing this author's stories just think a few short months or maybe years ago this author was just like you they were an aspiring author with a story to tell listening to podcasts and reading books that could provide the spark needed to begin their authorship journey 
but at some point, they had to take a leap of faith and they had to start their project. That leap of faith is what landed them here on our show. You too can be an author, and one day you can be on this very show, but you need to take that leap of faith. Go to www.visionaryliterary.com backslash free book to receive the spark you need to begin your own authorship journey. Yeah, it, it is. You mentioned too that speed and with you and your AI book, um, I actually I had a call yesterday with one of our clients who's writing a book on Web3. And every week that we speak, it's like he has new stuff to to add to the book. And he's going through this the hybrid process, which is faster, but it's just incredible. At the speed at which advancements are taking place in, in many industries, not just AI and Web3, but every industry is just is moving so quickly. Yeah. It's really difficult to have an idea, a book proposal created, and then you know that it's not going to be out into the world for two years. There are going to be so many things that have to be adjusted in that. So you're out of date before you publish. It's it's not worth publishing. Like even uh what I did, I mean, that was when Chat GPT, I guess maybe two months ago, started emerging as a word. You know, I released this thing and now it is just a few weeks later and there's a new version and yep. its intelligence has gotten higher. So I'm thinking my book's already out of date now. <laughs> right, yes. And it was, it was released uh, version two. I'm like, I can do version two. Like imagine doing a new version every three weeks for your book. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I noticed that. Um, so we are recording this in the end of March and your book, it was actually released less than so on february 23rd and today is march 22nd Um, and gpt4 has since come out which has x number more data points and can write a book so much faster and and gpt5 i'm sure they're working on it it'll come out soon but (laughs) there's their ai is when it comes to ai and writing it's something that that i am all for obviously you experimented with it with your book it's very polarizing though, especially when it comes to writing. And maybe I only say especially when it comes to writing because it's it's my industry. It's the only one that I study, but it's very polarizing. People are either all for it or completely against it. Right. Obviously, you ran this experiment with writing. When it comes to to your industry and working with CEOs, what are what are some of the thoughts there? Like what which side of the fence do which side of the fence after your experiment do you stand on? And then what are you seeing with the people you work with? You know, it's interesting. It, it is polarizing. There's a lot of, um, a lot of fear and then there's a lot of uh, potential and people are, um, I don't think we really know. I mean, we, any new technology is hard to predict. I mean, the printing press was developed to reduce copying errors in the Bible it ended up causing the most major revolutions in, in the world of uprisings of governments are being overthrown, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the phone was going to be a, an entertainment device. It was never seen as a communication vehicle to revolution. So we're never, say, never sitting here to figure out, oh, what's AI going to do? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you in a hundred years, I'll tell you in a hundred years what, what it's going to do. But for now, my experiment was really to see what did it, we were, I was with my MIT frat brothers. We banter about on, on the web a lot in these forums. And uh, it's always fascinating tracking what they're doing. And there were, and there was a debate going on with this AI thing with ChatGPT. This is before 
it came out as a as a common noun. <laughs> but I I was like, you know, we we've been trying to get AI to be more human, and that's what the debate is. Yeah. But how would AI make us more human? And I thought it knows enough. It's read everything published. What would it say? So I did, I did the experiment. I started asking, you know, how would you improve us? And I was curious to see what it came up with. And it was interesting. I mean, the uh, I, when I published the book, I, I was clear in the beginning, you know, I'm a human. But then I have a page saying everything from here out is not a human. In other words, and I, I didn't really edit anything. I didn't want to change grammar. I didn't want to change style. I just wow. wanted to capture its voice. Right. And then I wrap it up with me again. So in the afterward, it's like back to a human. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you can tell the style of writing's differently because in the beginning, it's sort of like it's sort of fun. You know, I'm I'm just saying, hey, look, I don't know what's going to happen. This thing's just a child. Yeah. Let's get a break. Let's you know. And I just try to be somewhat, uh, just have fun with it and be a little sarcastic. Uh, and then in the end, I wrap it up as well. So you can tell a difference between the human writing and the AI writing. Um, but people, well, a couple of things is one is some reader may read it and say, you know what, this may be the best combination of self-improvement that I know because it reached out to every self-improvement thought that was written. Yeah. So if I wanted to have a personal development uh, course for myself, this is probably it. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But that wasn't the intent. Um, because some people who've been in self-improvement can say, well, I knew some of these things. I knew most of these things. So that's not the point. The point is, what did it know? And why did it select these topics? Like, I was surprised about relationships. Like, humans should have better relationships. I thought, that's interesting. I didn't you know. I, that was one that came out of the blue. And I, you know, it's in there. But um, people were then saying, getting back to your point, like, well, um, Aren't you afraid that we won't be able to um, tell who's human and who's not and this and that? And I'm like, look, I see it as a tool and I think we should treat it as a tool. Right. For instance, if I wanted to write a self-help book, I could send I could go to the library at down at Hopkins down the street and I could uh, be in the library for a week or two and just read everything on self-help and put together my own research, my own discoveries, et cetera, and publish a book. Okay, that's two weeks of, of re or I could hire a grad student to spend those two weeks, in which case they can then debrief me. We could spend a day together going over everything they've had. So now I've reduced two weeks to one day, or I can go to AI and in about 20 minutes have the whole thing. That's the point. It's my right. grad student. It's just, yeah. it's my grad student. I can ask a question. It goes out, reads everything possible, comes back, and in literally seconds, I have a whole thing here. So I think if we start realizing this is just a toll, I yeah. think it will calm us down a little bit. Maybe we can use it in our lives more productively. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. We, I, I love it, but only for a first draft perspective and a research perspective. So. Yeah. Obviously, as new iterations hit the market, things will get better. It will improve. Like you said, this is just a child. Let's give it a break. But I am very excited to see what comes in the future. But for now, like the one thing you said is this is a child and it's the writing is different between your actual writing, which is more fun, more human. Mm -hmm. And anyone who has used chat GPT knows that it's very structure heavy. Um, it's, it's very formal. And it's not, it's not the kind of reading that we want in long form books. That was your book that just came out last month. 
the reviews that were coming in seem to all say the same thing. Wow, this is a really cool experiment. It's missing the human touch. Right. So that's that's basically the only missing component. And again, it's just going back to that. This is AI is great for drafting, for yeah. drafting your story. Right. Especially for for nonfiction. Cause like you were saying, this is your grad student. You go out and conduct the research and then bring it back. And that's yeah. what ChatGPT does. And then you take that and you put the human touch on it. For fiction authors, um, a little bit different because obviously you're not so concerned about accuracy. Right. So you can right. use it for, you know, just for creativity purposes. But mm-hmm. um, so when it comes to that writing, using AI, what what's your plan next for for your book? Are you are you looking to write a follow-up book now that GPT four is out? What 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 are your plans with the with that book? I wish I had a team that would be like a version per week. <laughs> like every week there's gonna be a new new right. update. Um I thought it would be yeah, I mean, I don't mind writing a commentary on it that maybe it wouldn't be a book, but just to see how it's evolving because it's actually scoring higher on the SAT scores. I mean, testing it, you know, yeah. legal, um, you know, certifications, it's actually really done well in getting and improving. Um, I think the experiment for me did show, as you said, that right. it's, it's a good tool, but use it as a basis to inspire you as as a research source not as a writer right and you know because it could save you hours and months of time uh doing your own research really it's amazing within seconds what you can get out of this thing yeah uh, so fast but it's not but don't ab (laughs) this is probably don't abdicate your thinking to a machine yeah okay don't abdicate your art to a machine you know let the machine help you save time but you can't like say well you have to write this book for me and i'll publish it there's no art in that you know it's it's um but it's nothing to be freaked out about either i mean remember when um because i was thinking through it says when have humans had these reactions to tools and remember when calculators first came out i was very you know, maybe maybe you're not old enough, but I know what I when, <laughs> when calculators first came out, everybody freaked out. We can't let calculators into our schools. Yeah. Because people will no longer learn math. You know, it's it's they're gonna just use a calculator and get an answer. They won't they'll lose math, they won't know how to think, they won't they'll lose oh god, there was an incredible reaction to calculators. Of course, here we are using calculators, and I think yeah. we don't know math. I mean I Last time I checked. So um, let's not overreact. Let's keep it as a tool. Uh, it could be a little scary, but so far I've been really impressed with how balanced it could be. I put some controversial uh, things in there, uh, you know, things about, I don't know, the, the church's stand on something because I heard an argument over there. And I said, well, let's check this out. And it came back in such a balanced, uh, open thought around considering these. Uh, I was kind of impressed with that. So. I want to credit the people, the unsung heroes, and that's the programmers that have developed these learning machines. Yeah. You know, I think they need to get more press. Okay. Because uh, they're behind the tool and they're the ones making it better, but we don't hear about them. You know, it's. That is a, that's a really good point to make. Um, They are really the unsung heroes because they are doing uh, all the work and the the AI, the robots are getting credit for it, but it's, (laughs) I'm sure it it is. uh, It's a lot of work. 
But so I, I we're both again, I could talk about AI all day. Um, and then we could have a conversation all day, and then tomorrow something might change and we'd have to have another long conversation about it. But it is yeah. it's so incredible. I'm excited about it. I love your book and what you've put out that how just the experiment that you've done with it, I think is fantastic. And obviously the reviews that are pouring in already are exactly what you were thinking they were going to say. This is fantastic. Missing the human component. So you, you and, and your company going back to, to what you do and how you help you work with CEOs. Half of our listener base are nonfiction aspiring authors or authors, CEOs of small businesses. How can they, where can they follow you? How can they work with you? What are what are some? Sure. Uh, the main site that I'm trying to keep everything on, and I need to upgrade it um, a little bit more, but my books are there too. And uh, it's sagaleadership.com. We stole it from the Vikings, uh, S-A-G-A, the saga, leadership.com. And, uh, and that's where our center of gravity is right now. Uh, we're looking at affiliating with some other institutions that are uh, now approaching us based on our research. But, but yeah, it's there. I mean, it's where we're, you know, I'm going to be on a plane three times a week, either doing strategic planning or culture change for companies. But part of it is teaching and doing speeches and workshops. And that's what I love doing because for me, I just want to, I just want to learn and teach. You know, that's my whole thing. And learning is all these expeditions I do and this literature research, et cetera. And the teaching is really the publishing. And um, and then so you, you guys actually support uh, a method of teaching in the world, which is pretty powerful. Well, I love that. And thank you for that little plug. That is that's what we do, because I again, I personally my my bookshelf um, we have to keep getting new bookshelves to set side by side. Um, this one's already full and overflowing, but I just, I, I love to read. Uh, I get to, you know, I only get to once a week speak with, with someone like you of your stature of your you know expertise and knowledge. Um, but on the other days of the week, I get to read from authors who have put their, their words into book form. And I, I love to learn as well. So I will, for anyone listening, we will place that information on the website inside of the show notes. Don, thank you so, so, so much for being here. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to everything AI has to come. Uh, and if, if I'll put the link to your book in the show notes as well, Unleash Your Potential. Um, and incredible. I'm looking forward to going in on a daily basis on Amazon and seeing more reviews as they come in to see what, what people are saying. But thank you again for taking the time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self-Published Success. We encourage you to put the tips and tricks you've discovered in this episode to use in your own author strategy. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on your preferred listening platform. Until next time, continue chasing your vision of authorship success.